Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 82 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account using one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. Just search OneOuter Podcast. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then email questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them, or post them in the Facebook group or page, and we will get into them eventually. Alex, uh, just before I did the announcement, we heard the, the they're like clockwork in Costa Rica, the garbage uh, trucks coming. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, hope I've, I hope you've got all your bags and bins out ready to go. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's funny. Like, we use bins here in Costa Rica. You know what I actually do is I hang my... Uh, I hang my garbage from a hook outside my house uh, along the fence, and they just grab it and pick it up. There's a, there's no there's no bins. Somebody would steal them and like sell the plastic. But yeah, like hey hey hey, every everything's good, man. I'm I'm really happy to be here. I'm a, you know you wake up certain days and you're like this is gonna be a good day. I feel I feel like that today. Yesterday I didn't feel like that. I kind of. It's really weird. Like a lot of like performing really well is just performing at seventy percent when you feel like fifty percent. You know what I mean? And then that was yesterday, but today I feel really good. And I'm really happy to be here. Well, it's like some days you wake up and you don't know what it is. It's like before you start, you just feel off, or you know, you don't know if it's like the the moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or flat. Like planet alignment, you know, because people always say that oh, the moon affects tides and stuff. Well, we are like, what is it, whatever percent water we are, you know, over seventy yeah, exactly. percent, or maybe more. I don't know. Um, and it's like weird things, like what affects like mood, and you can some days you can handle things better, and like if a little thing starts shit in the morning, you can get through it. Other days it'll just set your day off, and you don't even know. It might even be like some vitamin you're just slightly lacking or yeah, mineral exactly. you're off on that day. It's weird. It is weird. You have, so. no, you have no idea. And then, like, you know, I, it, it, yeah, and then there's, like, the different teas I drank for, like, uh, relaxation, and then there's, like, coffee, and then there's, like, MCT oil and fish oil and vitamin C, and then, you know, eventually, you know, do you sleep six hours a night, seven hours a night, eight hours a night, you know, a lot of people go like, you need to get eight hours of sleep a night. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that. Like, there, there's just certain, certain days I can't, you know. I just, I end up playing poker till late at night. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to wake up early for a lesson. And then, uh, yeah, the, but a lot of poker players never set an alarm clock. And I, I, a lot of people are like, you know, how do I make money at poker? I'm like, set an alarm clock. 
That's it. That's it. That's my big advantage. I set an alarm clock. I wake up a little earlier. And, yeah, sometimes you pay a price for that advantage, and that price is, you know, certain days you're just you're not 100%. But I, I think a lot of times something I don't like in the States now is just a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't feel 100%. I'm not, I'm not going into work today. And it's like if I didn't go in every single day, I didn't feel 100%. I, I don't yeah. think I'd show up half half the days, you know what I mean? And then you, eventually you learn, like, the, the, you know, eight days out of ten, like, I'm not really feeling that good, and I just force myself to go to the lesson. I force myself to uh, get there. And the, I, I just feel fine a couple hours later, you know. I don't I, I don't feel amazing, but I, I feel fine. There's nothing wrong. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's interesting. But today I wake up and, I feel I feel really good. I feel really optimistic. Things are good. Things are good these days. Good. Well, we'll we'll try and kick that out of you. Um, so, <laughs> I was trying to drink um, coffee. I almost spit it out. What do you say that? Uh, yeah. So you did the web your new webinar, the professionals mindset last uh, Saturday. So we can talk a little bit about that. And hopefully when people joined it, it wasn't just you going, set an alarm clock, right, see you later, <laughs> bye. <laughs> that would be it, yeah, that would be it. So how, how did it go, and, and well, what was the script? Give us a rundown on that. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was good, and uh, um, and in addition to the garbage man, there's construction above my house, and these people love 8 in the morning, so if you all hear that, I apologize. Uh, but no, it was... Uh, the professionals mindset webinar went really well. Uh, we we got a pretty we got an amazing turnout. Uh, I really just wanted to get this done because uh, uh, John Wood and I had done it a while ago, and uh, he he just said, "Hey, let's get this done." I said, "I agreed." I was like, "Let's get," it. and uh, we you know we I thought this will be a fun experiment, right? Like, how many people can we get if we give seven days notice, right? Uh-huh. And uh, we got like 35 people or something like that. And, you know, and you think about it, like tickets are $99 a pop. Like that's a, that's quite a bit, you know, like I I just wouldn't expect that normally. Like, and I would have presented the material. Like if you paid me $500, you know what I mean? Like I would have been fine with it. I probably, uh, I mean, I, I, I would have, I, I, whenever the material is so exciting to me, I probably would have done it for free. That's when I know I have to do a webinar. And uh yeah, it was uh it went it went really well. Uh we ended up going like five hours because there was just so much material. Uh which wasn't really what I expected to do at the beginning. But there's also this is something that's attractive to me about the webinar. It's like if you uh if you try to do videos like uh in another sense a lot of times you backtrack and you redo things and it's just, uh, this is just like the radio. It's like, well, here it is. We're going to come out here. We're going to have the material and we're going to go through. Uh, we're probably going to make a mistake at some point. Uh, no, mm-hmm. Nobody has a perfect batting average, but most likely everything here is going to be really uh, fluid and people are going to see, you know, that you when people get to see you actually, like, reacting to their questions and stuff without the ability of editing things out, uh, yeah. they, they know you really they, you really believe in the material. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, the material was all about just the process of learning rapidly, how to develop rapidly, how to, uh, uh, how to think like a professional. Uh, there was some confusion. Some poker players kind of came... 
I, I think they just kind of expected like typical material from me, which was, you know, a lot of hand histories, a lot of strategies, stuff like that. And, you know, it, it was called the professional's mindset for a reason. Uh, it was mostly about the, it, it, it was mostly about the mental game, which, uh, I, I really think takes you a lot further than a lot of other things. You know what I mean? Uh, the mental game, uh, I, I don't think I've ever been extremely gifted when it comes to poker, but it is, but ju just because of knowing, uh, how to work, you know what I mean? There, there's a lot of people that. They say, I work really hard. I play poker 10 hours a day, like 12, 12, 16 tables. And it's like, well, it's really easy to 16 table 10 hours a day and not learn anything. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I've played a lot less poker. Like, if you look at my shark scope, there's, there's kids in Latvia uh, who have played more tournaments this last year than I've played, like, in my life. You know what I mean? But I've learned a lot more from those tournaments. Uh, and obviously, I've, I've played a lot of hands elsewhere, like cash and whatever, but... I've learned more hands. I've learned more from those hands in tournaments uh, than a lot of those Latvian kids. You know, I, I mean, you know, God bless their souls. They're, they're like making money and taking care of their family. But uh, you know, they stay at twenty dollars tournaments for a reason because it's really hard to develop when you're really trying to just play a, a ton of volume. And I, I, I think I, you know, back when poker was, you know, like let's play, let's play, let's play. I was like, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to go to Thailand, I'm going to chill out there, and I'm going to go to South Korea, and I'm going to chill out there, and I'm going to go to Malta, and I'm going to take days off to, like, see the city and stuff like that. And people were like, man, this is bizarre, dude. And then, but, like, when I did get to the table, I was so motivated because poker was making a life for me. And that was another thing. The professional's mindset was also about what kind of life you're making outside of poker, how you can use the lessons from poker to become a better person. And uh, if you develop in that way, I think that's really the key to longevity uh, when, mm. when it comes to uh, professional poker and also just being content in life. And I was really trying to give people like the answer, like what, uh, you know, I, it's not like I learned how to like open up a business like yesterday, you know, there was a lot of failure that came before that. And I, I'm trying to, help people learn how to avoid that. But yeah, now, you know, I, I'm supposed, well, I'm not supposedly, I am a, a leading, uh, like analyst when it comes to poker. I, I'm publishing a book. I have multiple businesses. I own my own home, all this stuff. Like, how do you get to there? Uh, it's not playing a lot because t apparently I'm not playing a ton. You know what I mean? It's about, uh, it, it's about learning how to learn it's not the hours you put in, it's what you put in the hours. And we got a lot done on that. It was real fun to like get it done in one go. Uh, there is a bit of a, if you guys want to hit me up, we'll talk about like when you can buy that and all that. Uh, we'll talk about, and we got more, I've been pretty happy because I've been working on webinars the last couple of days. I've been, I've been writing new webinars. Uh, just the next webinar we're going to be doing is called One Hour a Day. Or it's going to be mastering poker with one hour a day. I, I I don't know the exact title yet, but yeah, we're just going to be talking about a lot of the study techniques, like the specifics, like getting down down and dirty with like how how can you simulate like uh, how how can you simulate a million hands of poker within an hour? How does one person do that? And we're going to go to the exact methodology for while we do that. We 
we were kind of talking about the process of like what you should be studying and stuff like that uh, in the professional's mindset and how you should be doing it, how you should be memorizing it. We used a bunch of like memorization tricks, uh, you know, that shows how you get like uh, really complex subjects in poker down to uh, very easy, what they call chunking, you know what I mean? Just very mm -hmm. simple portions to memorize. And uh, we talked about that in this webinar. Now we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty with the next webinar. And I already got 100 slides written for that one. Uh, it's probably going to be after I get back uh, from my battle in California uh, that we're going to be doing that. So, yeah, it should be, should be pretty exciting. Yeah, and just to touch on that, I mean, it's interesting when you say some people were expecting, you know, the, the hand histories and whatever. But that can be taught, like, in your own time and through – that's – all right, there is certain elements of it that are interactive, but you can watch a hand history review, like a video of you, like that's not live, and sort of right. pick up stuff there. Whereas professional mindset in terms of if you just learn poker and not the whole mental game and the business side of it, not I'm not on about starting your own coaching. I'm on about like running yourself as a business, you know, right, right. seeing yourself as a business and making those sort of decisions in life, like, maybe moving to another country where your, your dollar, you know, you're getting more for your buck and stuff. Right. Um, other than the alternative is just stay at home, like grind away. And like what we spoke about before, just playing for playing's sake and your bankroll's going up and down, up and down. And like, I, I don't know what you touched on, but like even like money management, you know, taking money off the table and investing it in this and saving for rainy day funds, you know, things right. we've touched on. Right, on poker. that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, like, the key, like you say, is the professional's mindset. Like, if you want to be a professional, mm. then, you know, there's maybe an argument that there could be kids out there with, like, a million-dollar bankroll, but they're, they're far from professional, you know? No, and then, yeah. you've, then you've got a guy that's got a 50K bankroll, but he maybe takes forty five, fifty thousand off the table every year, you know, and, and yeah, does exactly. well with that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand that, and... Yeah, and if I was still playing, you, it'd definitely be something I'd be interested. You you got the whole you got the whole idea behind the webinar, and then uh, we were we uh, another another thing we talked about in the webinar was like uh, how worthless it can be to like watch hand histories, which I I think a few and like I didn't think there was anything malicious with the kids that wanted to see hand histories. I think they just thought like oh it's an assassinato product, that's what I'm gonna get right, and. Uh, they, you know, they probably bought some of the other webinars, which are really heavy on hand histories. And then I was just trying to explain, like, not all hand histories are created equal. Like, when I show you a hand history with a PowerPoint, I show, show you, look for these three specific things, memorize these things, you can do this in the future. That's something really actionable and measurable that you can apply for the rest of your life. If somebody goes, yeah, so, okay, I jam ace-king here because lol, standard, that doesn't really do much for you. And uh, a lot of a lot of times I like uh, I watch a lot of times I watch uh, hand history videos on uh, the training websites and I I I just marvel at how bad they are. Uh, in uh, even if the guy is like a good player, there's just a lot of just bad coaches. And we we talked a lot about that. Like how do you find like good coaching? How you can do it for zero dollars? You know, like how. What, what you should be looking for uh, in the materials, how you should be accessing the materials. And then if you're picking a po poker coach, be very wary of somebody who's just the flavor of the month. And, yeah. uh, and we talked about a lot of, I mean, quite frankly, the most expensive 
training option you, you could get is getting a coach. So, you know, that might not be for everyone, right? So we talked about how you could teach yourself. And, yeah, I, I, I was pretty happy with the product. And, and uh, we, the upcoming webinars we have, uh, we are going to talk more about, like, the financial aspect of poker. I'm, I, I'm trying to I, – I, I, some of the material I had, I know I announced that a long time ago in uh, the One Outer podcast. The problem was uh, I checked on a few of the things I used to use to make money at different games, and they just weren't as viable. And I, I didn't want to go ahead with it at that point. And uh, mm-hmm. I found a few other things that are pretty interesting – uh, since that time, which I, I'd really like to present. And, um, I, yeah, I, how to make money at poker is an art. There is a part of the webinar was about how, like, Stu Unger is a terrible poker player. I, excuse me, a terrible poker professional was a terrible poker professional because he never took a dollar off the table. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just like investing in the stock market. It's not a gain until you've cashed it out. You know, like it, it's, uh, you know, you can put money in, you know, like venture capitalism and stuff, but if it, it never comes out, like it's just constantly uh, yeah. in the game and it, do, it doesn't mean anything. Therefore, you haven't won. It's not a profit yet. So, yeah. any, any, anywho, let's get into some questions. Yeah, and I'll just touch on this. I know you were going to keep the webinar not on sale for at least a month uh, Yes. For the guys, that was part of the deal, you know. So they've got a month, yeah, uh, yeah, sort of exclusivity to that. So in a month, uh, will people be able to buy that? Oh yeah, they'll be able to buy it in a month. And if you wanna, if you wanna get a notification for when that goes on sale, uh, go ahead and go to PokerEdrush.com and sign up for the mailing list, and uh, you'll be you'll be good to go. Okay, and I'll put a note in this. Uh, podcast show notes on the com like webpage for the show and the flyer will be on it and I'll maybe like put a little note above it when it'll be available from sort of thing. Alright, that's, well. that's good. I appreciate yeah. that. Okay, let's get into questions then. Um, this one is from Alex. Alex asks Alex. <laughs> maybe that's what we'll call this episode. Um, uh, yep. So, hi Alex, uh, my name is Alex Reisner, uh, I, live, uh, from, I live in from Austria, Vienna, playing most of the time live cash games, 1-2 and sometimes 2-5 games in the local poker rooms. I want to improve my game. My question to you, do you have some material and content for cash game playing also, like how you approach the game? You are great, one of a kind, uh, and your new book, The Myth of Poker Talent, is it only for MTTs or for cash games also? Best regards, Alex. Uh, yeah, as far as... Uh, one second. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and thank you. I, pre- I appreciate it, Alex. Uh, as far as cash games, uh, I, I kind of stay away from... Uh, I, I, I've taught people how to like beat live games because a lot, a lot of No Limit Hold'em games are the same. Uh, they're very similar, and I, I did play No Limit Cash for a long time, uh, but, like, I've helped some people beat, like, live games in my lessons. I, I just have to have them, like, describe, you know, I, I have to have them describe, like, okay, what what happens when this happens? What happens when this happens? Uh, the guy I did the webinar with, uh, John Wood, like, he played professionally. Uh, he played live games in West Texas. Uh, and I, I coached him up how to do that so you could pl- play professionally. But 
generally, uh, as far as live poker, like what materials I have, uh, I, I don't, I, I actually realize my, uh, friend I'm making the next webinar with, uh, he pointed out, he was like, you know, in casual conversation, when we're talking about live tournaments, you give me lots of little advice. That's really helpful. And, you know, mm-hmm. you've won live tournaments and you, you know, you final table EPTs and stuff like that. Like, why, why don't you put out something about live poker? And I was like, you know, I never really thought of it. I just, so we're, we're really looking at uh, putting something out. In the meantime, you can uh, pretty much, pretty much uh, the good thing about like cash game poker especially not 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 uh, is it's pretty easy to do the math like the chip ev is really simple to do uh with uh card runners ev and uh it's not simple to do but it's pretty easy it's pretty easy uh, with just a little practice and the myth of poker talent is all about how to use card runners ev i don't use the tournament settings in the book because i just thought uh well, well. First of all, there were no situations where it was really an ICM implication. Uh, I discuss ICM in the book, uh, but there, there wasn't really. I, I, I didn't want to like bog down uh, the reader with ICM implications because those. Uh, I, I do discuss it pretty well, but it, those come up in about, you know, a serious ICM spot comes up about two or three percent of the time when you play when you play a tournament maybe even one percent of the time so you know it should take about one or two percent of the tax uh you know like these are the big errors that you should avoid and then move other than that uh i i think a lot of the times the people that really talk quite a bit about icm really uh are just trying to justify playing like a net at a final table and if you like backtrack and go through the numbers it's not really justifiable but uh I, everything in the book will be pretty much a, a, a lot of it. Let's see. I mean, there's certain things like people do in tournaments that people don't do in cash games. So you're going to read that section and go, okay, that doesn't apply for me. But like there's extensive sections on like how to run a triple barrel bluff, when you should double barrel, when you should check raise, when you should donk bet. All that stuff is applicable when it comes to cash games, I'm working with uh, Chip EV in those situations just because uh, Chip EV is a, essentially the same as ICM EV without, uh, without there being like a huge payout jump coming uh, pretty soon. And, uh, I, you know, I just didn't want to enter about 300 things uh, in order to get the ICM EV, which would j- just be about the same. <coughs> so I would, uh, I just ran with Chippy V in the book, and uh, it, which is the same thing. Like I think the best MTT or online MTT in the world, Ape Styles does. Like when he's, you know, he's trying to figure out if something was profitable or not. You know, with 170 people left in the tournament, he doesn't know the exact stack distributions of everybody else. So it's kind of hard to compute uh, the ICM factors. And the few times that somebody like him or I has done it, it, it the answer hasn't been that different. So we just do Chippy V. And that chip EV is uh, exa- the chip equity is the exact is exactly what you're looking for when you're playing cash games. So yeah, a lot of the method poker talent will apply to you. I, I didn't specifically uh, I, I don't I, you know I think I say at the beginning of the book like I'm primarily a tournament player now that that's what's exciting to me. I don't have 
a ton of time to play poker tournaments. And when I was playing cash for a living, that like that was all I did. I li- lived, breathed, slept uh, cash game poker. You know, e- even if it was at like small stakes, even like two four, like two four can get. You know, uh, you can have like four K swings each day. So I, I really wanted to be on my game, right? And then as you move up to like five ten and stuff like that, and ten twenty, and not that I was ever really that good at like ten twenty or. 510 that's kind of when you know everybody starts being really good and i i just i I wasn't really good at that time at finding edges uh so i'd move back down pretty frequently but like uh you know to even like compete in those games you had to just be living breathing it and uh uh cash game poker on some sites is pretty profitable like america's card room it's pretty profitable at low stakes but like that's not really what's going to get me going. So I play, I, I play tournaments because that's exciting. I can put that on YouTube and, you know, people, people get a lot of fun out of that. And I want, pe- I want my students to have fun and learn. So, but a lot of this stuff play, uh, applies in cash games and stuff like that too. By the way, you guys can check out on a, if you guys go to my uh, Twitter, uh, go, go to, uh, I'm at the assassinato. Just scroll through the timeline. I post a lot of free training videos of me, like, deep in tournaments. Uh, me at final tables, like, discussing every hand. I won the 109 uh, 5K guaranteed uh, two nights ago on America's oh. Card Room, and I just showed, like, every hand I played uh, in that. And there, there's a lot of other videos as well. Uh, you, you can also subscribe to uh, the newsletter, uh, at pokerheadrush.com and I usually every week I put together all the videos I made uh, along with a new article so yeah you you should check those out I mean it's just that's the stuff you used to have to go to a training site uh, for a few a few uh, years ago to get uh, for quite a bit of money now it's free okay and uh, we'll hope that answers your question Alex uh, do keep sending more in if, if it doesn't uh, this one is from Chris. Um, Alex, I have a natural ability of being personable and it's helped me in poker with my hand reading and intuition skills thus far. I'm wondering your thoughts on in- intuition versus math. I also would like to know a way to simplify the advanced poker strategy math to quick time, seeing as I play majority live. Oh, it's another live question. <laughs> uh, basically, I have thought of a hypothesis for my play. I need a way to understand the math part, since I'm horrible with math. Any insight, whether being something small as to a credible place to look or just your opinion, will be much appreciated. Again, thanks for your uh, generous answers and time. Yeah, uh, no, thank you for writing in, man. I really appreciate it. So, a uh, couple couple things to impact there. Uh, intuition's a big deal. I think, like, uh, Daniel Negreanu, uh, while, you know, he, he definitely... Uh, he, he's definitely an eccentric figure. Uh, you can't really deny that he's very emotionally intelligent. Like, uh, if you uh, if you see like the way he watches people, you can tell like he he's definitely picking up on something. Uh, I remember the first time I walked by Phil Ivey. Like, uh, I, I I can't remember the exact situation, but I remember like him sizing me up, and I I remember thinking like this is a really like intuitive dude you know what i mean like this guy's uh, this guy's checking out how i you know like how i dress and like how i keep my hair like you know because these are all like these are all hints right and Mm -hmm. uh the few times i've really like the 
tournament I won live, I was talking to everybody through it, and I was kind of just goofing off after uh, busting the main event. But uh, I, uh, I I got a lot of great reads just, like, talking to people, right? Like, you hear their accent, you hear where they're from, and uh, you see how they hold the chips. And, uh, you know, you see who's out there for fun, who's taking it really seriously, etc. And I, I think all that stuff's wonderful. you got to be careful not to give away a lot. I know personally I used to be. Uh, I'm not, like, generally a very personable person. Uh, I can force myself to talk to a lot of people. I've, I've definitely I've tried to be more personable in tournaments just because I, I've noticed that kind of gets the online guys off their game because they're, they're not, like, bad people in – but they're used. They're not used to talk. You know, they're going to answer your questions, but they're generally just not used to talking. Uh, so they're, you know, they want to be in their zone, and you keep disrupting that. And I think all that stuff's wonderful. The, the thing you got to be careful about is you're not like putting yourself out there too much, and you're not exhausting yourself. I, I've definitely there have been tables I've worked. Uh, I try to like talk to everybody and then people think you're playing every hand when maybe you're not even, uh, you're not playing at all. Uh, if you're talking quite a bit, I used to have to do that when I was in net, uh, you know, try to just find something going on at the table and talk about it and talk about it with other people or pick, pick like a gen, like I always picked a general topic. Everybody seems to have an opinion on like, uh, it, it is flopping in soccer shameful. Like mm-hmm. that, that was one I used to always use. And then you would always find out who the Europeans are like right away because the Europeans always fought for it being okay. And uh, you would always, if the guy was kind of an, not your typical European, a lot of times they'd say, yeah, I think it's pretty stupid too. Uh, same thing goes with the Latinos. You'd find out how the Americans are because the Americans always go, I think it's ridiculous, bro. Like, and uh, you you would find out where everybody's from, and you, <clears throat> you'd you kind of get a feeling for their age, right? You know, sometimes people go like, yeah, I'm a UFC fan, so that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. UFC, I like boxing. And then, you, you well, the boxing guy's probably a little older, the UFC guy's a little younger, right? And it, it, just stuff like that, you know, stuff. Uh, <clears throat> and you can think about a lot of this. And I think it does have quite... Uh, I do think it has quite a bit of value. Uh, in recent years, I've kind of stopped doing that. Uh, one reason for that is it doesn't, even though like at PCA, I was, I admit I can be pretty annoying when I want to be. Uh, but most of the time, my tables have had a pretty good time and I've had everybody kind of, uh, you know, just laughing it up a bit more. Uh, not not may, may, maybe necessarily with me, but maybe at me sometimes. But we're all having a good time, right? And, you know, like uh, the EPT coverage just, you know, with Joe Stapleton just turns into, oh, my God, he's so awkward. You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm a little tired of this. So, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, white male. Like we can say generic things about him. You know, we can't do that with a lot of other people. We can about him. So it, it's kind of like, you know, like when, when the, just because I don't know when the cameras are there, I just, you know, it's like I, I'm not giving you guys anything anymore. And uh, uh, there's also a lot of people that, 
I, I don't know. I, th- I think poker's gotten a little more bitter recently. I have a lot of more people, like, snap at me when I try to, like, make conversation at the table. Uh, I, I, I'm just I, – I cannot talk, and I prefer that. I, I prefer just that I have to force myself to talk uh, to get all those reads, and I, I just don't enjoy it anymore because I, I, I'm, I'm just pretty – I'm pretty dissatisfied with the attitudes of poker players these days. Uh, so I just listen to my headphones and I have a good time uh, doing that, uh, listening to talk radio and just keeping notes on my cell phone and um, or, or in a notepad, what I did at PCA. Uh, but there's a, a second part of that question. Uh, it, it was like, I, I, I don't have that great of a memory. How do I... Uh, it, it, it doesn't sound like you have a great appreciation as far as the mathematics goes, uh, which is fine. I, I don't really either. Uh, well, this was, uh, we talked about this in the professional's mindset was I just use like goofy, I use goofy memory tricks to remember everything, right? So let's say, uh, so here's one I learned for like check raising, right? Uh, this this is what I learned from my research, and the great thing is you can just copy off my paper for a lot of these concepts, right? Um, let's say uh, if it's a min raise, you should call out of the big blind. If it's a 2.5x raise, uh, you probably shouldn't do that as liberally uh, just because it's a lot harder to justify the increased investment. So if it's a 2x raise, you should call. Uh, if the person's opening range is 25%, uh, and their C-bet is 75%, that means that generally they're going to miss the board about 56 58% of the time uh, on average on the board. And then if you check-raise about the size of the pot, that's going uh, to need to work about 50%. Now, what I just said is a lot of, like, gobbledygook to a lot of people, right? There's just a lot of numbers in there, and it's really hard to memorize them. So this is how uh, – I, I talked about this in the professional's mindset. This is what uh, – this is how I would memorize it one to check raise, I imagined uh, a cup mixed with uh, milk and orange juice and a pair of hands clapping above it. Now, this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but you're never going to forget this for the rest of your life because who, uh, the ridiculous things you never forget, right? I always, people always wondered how I did really good on like, uh, like uh, if there was a test that was just pure memory, right? Like what all the, like what were the names of all the countries and stuff. It's not because I knew where the countries were or something like that in high school. It was because I would come up with tricks uh, to memorize all the different uh, countries. And uh, it, it works just as well in poker. So you imagine this disgusting combination of milk and orange juice and hands clapping above. Well, what what the hell could that possibly mean? Well, the 2X is two equal things so it's like your hands it's like your hands clapping when you put the extra bet in there it's a 1x with 1x meets and becomes 2x so that's like two equal parts connecting just like your hands clapping and uh i imagine one glass full uh 75 percent uh with uh milk and the other 25 percent full of orange juice and those and when you put those together you get a whole glass well, if you remember the components there, 75, 25%, you got 75% seabed, 25% open, 
now you got the you got the minimum effective dose there. Min calling the min ray seventy five twenty five. Now you got it. That's how that's how I break down everything in my head. And it, there's a lot of these things like uh, you, you want to break it down to like the simplest thing. So like uh, what we got coming up in the new webinar. Uh, there's one where it's like I have like King Jack suited and the board comes like 1084 suited and I, I asked the question like how do you study whether you should see bet there or not and a lot of people don't even know how to go about that so I show like how you would solve that in Flopzilla and then I was like after 20 of these you're going to notice the same thing which is all these C bets hinge on one question does the guy float with ace high or not so now things have become much more simple when you're C betting you don't have to think about well he misses the board here about uh, you know, 52% of the time, and my C-bet needs to work 40% of the time. It's, uh, the question is, does he call with ace high or not? And that's a pretty easy question to ask yourself. You know, uh, the young kid uh, with the sunglasses and the hoodie who, uh, you know, uh, is looking uh, pre pretty mean at everybody, he probably doesn't want to fold to the C-bet. Uh, you know, the businessman that's playing on his cell phone and watching the game and hasn't played that many hands recently but when he does play he plays pretty softly he just like calls behind that's probably the guy who if he missed the board he's just gonna he's just gonna let it go so the, the, that's kind of a lot of people think like if if you make things simple then it's expendable I, I i think if you make things really simple they become very valuable this is really the problem with academia academia see, seeks to per, the, academia seeks to prove itself valuable by making things as complex as possible. And there's a lot of times you, you hear like uh, you hear people like break things down to the minimum effective dose in pop culture. And then they get really uh, like pundits get really pissed. Like, Oh, it could be so easy. Like one, I always hear, uh, I hear a lot of conservatives say like, if you want to get people out of poverty, the family needs to stay intact and they need to stress hard work and education and people go like, oh, please, like it could be that easy. And, it, you know, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, well, if everybody did that, I'm pretty sure that would combat a lot of poverty, right? You know, it, and if I'm trying to think of things that would do it the most, I'm pretty sure that would be it. You know what I mean? If I had to pick like two or three things I could implement, you know, uh, to help people get out of poverty. And uh, I, I think that would be it. But like, you know, academia seeks to go, oh, it's so much more complex than that. You know, there's uh, so many factors you're not considering. And it's like, I, I think these people are really like the do-nothing slick talkers. I really do not like. And there's a lot of people like that in poker. And there's a lot of people that would scoff like at my awful, you know, like orange juice, milk combination, like memory trick. But are you guys ever going to forget how to do a, C a check raise again? Are you ever going to forget that visual? It's a horrible visual, right? You're never going to forget it again. And that's, a, that's the reason I picked it is because in a clinch, you know, back when I was learning this stuff, that's how I memorized it. Uh, you don't have to be Phil Galfon to be really good at poker. I really believe that. But you do have to use every trick in your arsenal. And these are the same ones that have been used for thousands of years by people who had to memorize entire books, uh, this system of chunking. And uh, I, I think you can use this, and I think that's really the exciting thing about teaching poker is a lot of people are personable. They're not exactly uh, math-orientated people, and uh, I wasn't personable or math-orientated, and I learned both of them uh, to a point. 
Uh, and then uh, I really think it can, can be taught, and that's that's really exciting. Okay. And we've got time for one last question on this episode. And I don't think this one's about live folk, but we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, I'm just trying to rephrase it here. Um, it's from Ken. Uh, hey, bro, been following you pretty closely after reading Jonathan Little's latest book. You have the greatest content of anyone, so thank you so much for what you do for the game. I've been playing for about a year in local games and went to a couple of WSOP events. Looking to take my game to the next level, but not serious enough yet to hire you as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm very interested in learning about these equity calcs you reference so often. Are there five or ten of the most common scenarios while playing MTTs that you would suggest I run them for? Any input is greatly appreciated. I don't know about five or ten, but maybe like a couple of pointers for them. Yeah, sure. And uh, thank you for following me after. Uh, uh, thank you for following me after reading the Jonathan Little chapter. I really appreciate that. I, I'm really glad to know that chapter did a lot for people. Uh, I put I put a lot of work into that. I, I essentially assumed. I guess this is the lesson in life. Like I, I always wanted to publish a poker book, but. I had a certain amount of money I wanted to get paid to do it because that's how much it was going to, uh, well, you know, if I'm going to take a certain amount of time to do something, uh, it, it's going to cost me a little something. Of course, I want to be compensated beyond that. And a lot of people were just like, hey, you're not tested, right? And then uh, Jonathan Little's camp said, like, hey, we'll give you a shot on this book, right? You know, and whenever somebody does that, you cannot leave it in the hands of the judges, right? Don't ever assume if they're, if it's a tie between you and another guy, you're going to, you know, you're going to win when it comes to a push. So I just, I nailed that chapter. I worked my ass off on that chapter. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool to hear people got, liked it, you know, and like got into it. Uh, as far as like equity, okay. Now the equity calcs are a little more complex, uh, just because, uh, it, it, the equity calculations require you to learn a little bit about uh, card runners EV, so it's a little difficult to explain over the radio. Uh, I do, uh, I will have. Uh, we're thinking about as we're going into webinar season 2016. Uh, if that's really like my new, that's really my new thing. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to do some free webinars in between like our paid webinars. And you know, they'll be short like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but like some of them we're going to show you guys how to do some of these equity calcs. And if you pick up the myth of poker talent, a lot of this is card runners EV, how to use card runners EV, how to solve things. Uh what I would start with for card runners EV, uh what I would begin with, uh you can uh you can do some pretty simple calculations with short stacks. So like, let's say somebody raises uh, to 2X and you have like 9X. Well, this one's pretty easy to program because uh, you can just have the guy calling and then moving all in every time he hits the board. Uh, you, you could have him check folding every time he misses. And there you go. That's all you have to do. Now, if, uh, you know, there's, if the stack sizes are 50 big lines plus, and there's like three people in the hand, your tree in the equity calculations is going to get pretty complica- complicated, complex. Uh, I was trying to say both words at the same time. Sadly, it didn't work. Uh, uh, now, 
the things I would start with is uh, what's really fascinating is the big blind. I, I would uh, really start with uh, the big blind is very fascinating because if you fold every single time from the big blind, you're losing 100 big blinds per 100. Uh, if you fold every single hand from under the gun, even aces, uh, while that's a horrible strategy, you will not be losing unless, you know, until the ante comes in. And even then, you're not losing a ton. You're not going to be losing 100 big blinds per 100. Uh, so th that's always been pretty fascinating to me, how all the money is lost from the big blind, and yet we put so little focus on that. And something that's been, I think, would be very interesting for you to take a look at is how many times somebody makes it two times the big blind and you can execute a very simple strategy from the big blind and still turn a profit. And a lot of times people go like, oh, who cares about this? You're only saving 20% of a big blind. And it's like, well, that's 20 big blinds per 100. That adds up quite a As you can imagine, that's going to add up quite a bit uh, as the days go on. Uh, that's really fascinating. It's also really interesting to see the effect on the same calculations, put what the 2.5x does see, change the raise to 2.5x, and you will marvel how many times uh, what was a profitable play becomes unprofitable. And then ask yourself, do most people differentiate between a 2.5x and a 2x? Most people just see a 2.5x, and they do this wonderful math I love, which is, well, everybody else is calling from the big blind, so I have to call from the big blind now. Uh, I'm getting a good price, so I'm going to call, but because this is the 2.5x, I'm going to be a little more careful because this is probably a classic player, and the classic player here is likely to have a tighter range, perhaps like ace plus, ace jack plus, uh, so I'm going to be a little more careful. That is the complete opposite of what you should be doing. If you're going to invest 2.5x preflop, uh, you should be check raising more, donk leading more, check calling more, and you're not doing these things. Uh, so you're just going to lose money. And with the equity calcs, just again and again and again and again, it's going to, going to prove that. You're losing money, you're losing money, you're losing money. This has started one of my greatest advantages when it comes to poker, which is raising to 2.5x. And uh, it, it, everybody just calls me out of the big blind, and then they check fold too much. And it's, it's pretty weird. Uh, it's one of those things I'm pretty sure everybody's going to adapt uh, in a year or two, uh, just like... Uh, you, you can find document. I was talking about men raising from short stacks years before everybody else. That was in why Pisegna was right. Uh, you can find a recording of why Pisegna was right that predates the public release by like two years in uh, the Pokar stable. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, everybody told me I was nuts back then. Now everybody does it. I'm pretty sure with the 2.5x, most people are going to adapt it at some point. I'm not exactly looking forward to that time. But uh, it's probably going to be a couple years because, you know, uh, it's kooky, Alex Fitzgerald, whatever. Uh, or, you know, people just don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things like poker is a very big game. It takes a long time for something to catch on. And uh, there's a huge resistance to that as well. Like, I, I will show this math to people and they'll be like, yeah, well, I'm going to 2x because I like it more. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> like, all right, I, more power to you. You know, but uh, anyway, uh, everybody who's adapted that, by the way, has really liked it. Uh, a really another interesting one you can do is just uh, uh, you can do like short stacks, uh, like when somebody three bets you, like you open and uh, you open and somebody three bets you. What's the profit if you jam versus what's the pro you know what's the losses if you fold? 
sometimes you're going to be finding like if you jam, you're not making money, but you're you're losing a little less money than if you just folded, uh, which is always pretty surprising to me. You could still be accepting a loss, but you can move all your chips in and it's still being the right play. And also there's certain times you can call, like when somebody 2X raises you, uh, I, I, again, it's it's very much like the big blind. You, you can call there uh, and a lot of times turn a profit. And uh, this is where I like to try a lot of my like goofier plays that I don't want to try in the field. So like one I did from like short stacks, like let's say I called from 15X. Uh, let, let's say I called from 15X and I just donk let every, every pot and I donk led about 75% of the pot. So, like, I would call for 2x, and I'd lead for, like, 3.5 big blinds. Uh, did that turn a profit? And uh, I, I found that it turned a pretty significant profit if the guy only continued with a pair. And uh, it was one of those guys, and it was a more pronounced profit than if I had just jammed pre-flop because the guy was very wary of weak rejams, and he was going to call very wide. And uh, essentially, it's... Uh, it's really difficult to get deliberate practice uh, when, it, when it comes to poker. I, I mean, like, if a golfer is having problems with his putting game, he doesn't just go play another tournament. He goes to the putting green, and that's pretty much all he does for seven, eight hours. Uh, a lot of people, this is why a lot of soccer uh, football players, uh, they don't succeed is because, like, they have a problem with one thing, and they're just like, well, I'm going to go play a game with my buddies and, you know, see if I can iron it out. Like, if you ever read about David Beckham, he would go to the park and practice one kick for, like, eight hours at a time. And, uh, you know, his parents would get worried about him, right? And he would break it down to its most fundamental com components. That goes back to the chunking, right? You know, he would break it down and make it more simple, and he'd go through it, like, step by step until he could make it fluid, until he could make it effortless. Uh, poker... The problem is we can't call up poker stars and go like, hey, I just want to play from the big blind today. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that. The way you simulate that is with these equity calculations, which is, you know, you get you, you can do like a million trials of something. And uh, that that's pretty powerful because it's really hard to play a million hands when it comes to poker and especially to have all the metrics and to apply it to one specific situation. And then you can... You, you can change a bunch of things, like what if he raises to this much? What if he bets this much? What if he, uh, you know, what if he, uh, what if he does it with this combination of hands? And every time you do that, uh, you can have an Evernote file open and you can just copy and paste. Uh, if this sounds like a lot of work, it, it, it's because it is. Uh, now, that doesn't mean it has to be that hard. It, it just means it's tough work. So you, you just got to remember it's – they. The scientific proof, uh, this is something Dr. Uh, Trisha Cardner said, which I, I, I don't, I don't want to act like it's my, it, it, my material, but it's pretty brilliant. But she pointed out the research shows like people feel better when they're striving for a goal. Actually, a lot of people, when they get to their goal, feel pretty deflated. Uh, I, I experienced this recently with writing the book. I, I had a great time writing The Myth of Poker Talent because – I was pursuing publishing my first book and uh, there was a contract and it was set in stone and it was going to happen and all I had to do was write it. And I, you know, of course it was very daunting at the beginning, but then every day, you know, you have like an old friend to return to and it was really kind of deflating to finish it. Right. And uh, 
because of course there's no firecrackers and there's no uh, there's no big payoff. I already got the advance, and then uh, when I do get it, uh, when when I do get the manuscript back, it's just bleeding red, you know, with all the things I have to change. And uh, it, but it's just striving for something you enjoy that really helps you in these things. So I, I you know, I just watched the free videos on YouTube about how to use. Uh, Cardrunners EV. You can also, uh, if you subscribe to Cardrunners, I use it a lot in my most recent videos, and I show you how to do it in more complex situations, such as like triple barrel bluffing. And uh, yeah, I would, you know, I would set a reminder on my cell phone. There's a couple different apps. I think one's called Coach Me. The one I use uh, every day is called the Way of Life app. It, it essentially it puts your goals in there, and it's like you should make. Uh, this is something a friend of mine, a French friend of mine, a uh, very smart guy, said to me. He's like, the the problem with your goals, Alex, is they all take a really long time to do. You should just make sure you hit on every one of your goals every day. And then, you know, if you want, if you should have some extra time built in in case you want to keep going on one of them, right? So studying poker, you should put something like really easy to do, like 15 minutes a day, right? Or even like five minutes a day, right? would be like a big deal, uh, especially if you're just not in the habit right now. In uh, yeah, like in just make sure every day you cross it off on the app, it'll say, did you do this? And you put yes or no. And then at the end of the month, it'll give you graphs, it'll give you pie charts, it'll give you spreadsheets about how often you did what. And that data is really, if you see like every single day you're doing something to improve your game, that's very satisfying. If you see that's something you constantly... Uh, put off, hopefully that will be the impetus for change. And you, you can move on from that point. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I, hope those, uh, I hope those give you some good ideas. It's also fun to check out with check raises as well, especially if you put people in situations where they have to move all in or fold. Uh, the, the ma uh, at programming that one isn't that hard, especially if the person C bets their entire range, which is really likely. Uh, when they you call from the big blind, it's about a two x raise, and you just check. So you've completed, you've checked, and you're out of position. A lot of people just follow through constantly. So yeah, uh, have a good time, bon voyage. Okay, and that is the end of this episode. All we got time for this week. Uh, we've done quite well on the. Uh, there wasn't any major ranting or rambling. We can do that next episode about some yeah, yeah. movies and stuff. I got so, I got uh, to pick a really inane topic to yell about, like ketchup packets or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we do want people to keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Politics or films, uh, movies are, are always good. Um, and okay, Alex, how can people get in touch with you as usual for? one-to-one -one coaching and in-depth scrutiny. If you guys want to talk to me about private coaching, write me at assassinocoaching.gmail.com. My autoresponder will send you a bunch of email. Uh, excuse me, not a bunch of email. It'll send you a bunch of information. It'll send you one email. And then I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, read it. And I'll read your email and make sure, you know, everything got answered. I'll, I'll, I'll probably just write back to say hi and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, also uh, be sure to follow my uh, mailing list. Get, uh, sign up for my mailing list on PokerHeadRush.com. It's just a very easy thing to enter. Check out PokerHeadRush.com. That's 
that's kind of my fun site. That's where all the battle rap videos are, the strategy articles, the trip reports, the lifestyle blogs, uh, all, all that good stuff. And it, it, it's got a link to pretty much all the content we have. There's a link to the Twitch channel. There's the link to, uh, you know, the podcast, the t- Twitter site, Facebook, the Twitter. Follow me on the Twitter at the Assassinato. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, also, um, yeah, uh, I think, oh, don't, don't forget to sign up for America's Cardroom, guys. We, uh, we got a lot of you guys signing up and enjoying that site. A lot of, a lot of dead money to be made on that. Uh, a lot of dead money to be made on that site. Get 27% right back through our link. Uh, we really appreciate you signing up and supporting. And uh, to show our appreciation, if you sign up for that, uh, if you sign up for America's Card Room through our link, uh, write me the email address that you use to sign up. That's all I need now. And uh, once I confirm that you made a deposit and uh, you're under our affiliate, I will send you a free copy of Dissecting the Dog Butt. That's a check raised fool. You flat too much or why Pisegno is right. Uh, you can read about those webinars at twitch.tv slash the assassinato. Uh, if you've already signed up, you can also like buy uh, those webinars. Uh, you can al- you can also buy those webinars for a very affordable amount. So uh, be sure to check that out. Okay, and keep your questions coming in for Alex on the next show. Email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them to me at oneouter.com on Twitter. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Until the next show, thanks for listening and cheers. Don't make us glass here. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.